Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Podcast on Fifth Ave. I'm Jordan, as always, with Jenna and Taylor, and we are ready to talk some hockey. The Penguins are returning home, what will be tonight, to play the Ottawa Senators. And that wraps up, they wrapped up their six-game road road streak um, on Monday in Vegas. And all in all, just looking at that road trip, that's the word I was looking for, trip. (laughs) The road trip combined, they got a total of eight out of 12 possible points and overall looked pretty dang good they since we talked last they played la they played san jose and they played vegas and they won two out of three of those so not not too shabby at at all Uh, so let's let's just kind of do a brief overview because uh, that's a lot of games to to cover and there was a lot that happened they didn't look great against la Looked pretty decent against San Jose. Louis Domingue got his first start of the season. And then Vegas was like a bait and switch a little bit. That first period was garbage. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to bed. And then I woke up at like 2 in the morning and just wanted to see what the final score was. And I was like, shut up. (laughs) 5 to 3? Are you kidding me? What happened? Just crazy uh, turn of events. So, Taylor, what were some... What were some highlights for you from that three-game streak, and what were some things that kind of uh, struck you as, yeah, the Penguins kind of need to work on that? I mean, the entire Kings game was pretty awful. I don't know if you can point to yeah. one point. Uh, just any any aspect of that game that went wrong, they were just out of sorts in that game. Um, but then they responded well. And with the past two episodes, we've talked about how Louis Domingue needs to get his chance and how yeah. Smith has been doing, you know, great. Then the Smith went in the COVID protocol, opened up a spot mm-hmm. for Louis. They did give him that um, start in San Jose, 40 saves, and he, he, he just looked really strong. Um, mm-hmm. One of his strengths is playing the puck. Sometimes uh, J.D. Forrest and Wilkes-Barre, the coach, used, he would say sometimes he would get a little too adventurous uh, with the puck. We really didn't see a whole lot. Um of that in, in that game. He was just strong overall. And it is a small sample size, but still <laughs> better than the, what we've seen from, mm-hmm. from the Smith. So uh, we might see more of Louie here before the Smith is ready to come back. And, and that could really just, if he plays anything like he did in that San Jose game, it makes the, the conversation for what happens in the, um, with the backup goalie, very interesting. And just mm-hmm. the, the comeback against Vegas Super encouraging because again they were down three nothing. It looked like they were out of it, and then for them to come back the way they did was huge. Um, from that game, uh, people didn't like it, but Dominic Simone did get the helmet after the game, so Louis got it in in San Jose, the previous recipient. It's like the team MVP helmet. Really, it's, they call it the Bold Penguin helmet because that's the name of the sponsor. It, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. the best player or the MVP. Sometimes it's the unsung hero. It's really whatever the previous recipient wants it to be. And Louis gave it to Dominic Simone for the Vegas game. And Dominic Simone didn't have any points on that game. People saw it. People got confused. Uh, if you look at the replies to the tweet of that video, it's a bunch of fans getting mad. But that was probably Dominic Simone's best game of the season because what he does best is not going to show up on the score sheet. And he was just, he just had a monster third period, shutting down – uh, Vegas nearly had like a two on one, and he breaks that up. He flattened like P- Petrangelo, 
Um, and there's just so many defensive plays. I, I tweeted a thread of of all the videos of you know a lot of his great defensive work in the third. Um, so he had a really strong game, and and that's what they need. You know, contributions throughout the lineup, and not all of his contributions are necessarily going to show up on the score sheet. So. Uh, just guys playing their role, which is what you want to see, uh, you know, with this team. Mm-hmm. And I know that Jeff Carter had a pretty astute assessment of what started to go right for the team. Uh, Jenna, we were talking about this before we we started recording, but Jeff said that what changed was that they got their crap together. And <laughs> so it expounding on that like what what did we see in the first period that they rectified in the in the final two because that's pretty vague like you know getting it together sure okay but what did they need to fix from that first period that they like because they were just a totally different team how did how did they even make that adjustment to begin with mind-blowing and the fact that like Vegas is an incredible team. This is a very, mm-hmm. very talented Vegas Golden Knights team. But I think what also was really intriguing is, you know, okay, you saw it, it kind of seemed like they were on the last game of a six game road trip. You could just sense how, you know, much they were struggling. You could just sense how mm-hmm. tired these guys were. I mean, it's the same thing for them, but you know, they're on the road for so long. They want to come home. They miss being in their own bed. They miss having their own routine, those types of things. And you saw that. I think a lot of national analysts even tweeted too. It's like the Penguins are down three nothing right now in the first period, and it looks like they are on the last leg of a road trip. But yeah. they knew. Obviously, we talk about all the time how valuable points are. I mean, they knew that they just needed to kind of regroup. And I think the thing that intrigued me the most about this game, and I'm pulling up the stats just to make sure I have it right. Um, you get Jason Zucker back, you get him scoring, which I think is a huge thing for his confidence because that's an area of his game that's kind of lacked this year. And mm-hmm. that's an area of his game, I think a lot of people will point to criticize when he signed this big contract. He was expected to be this big contribution on the wing. And mm-hmm. has he lived up to it? Has he not? You know, that type of thing. But you're seeing them score in bunches. I think that was what was so crucial because in the second period, Zucker scores and then Bluger scores less than a minute later. And then in the third period, Zucker scores right off the bat. And then Jake Gensel comes in with one of the best wraparounds I've seen. Because I Oh, my God. Was it ever? Oh, my gosh. I'm like half asleep at that point. It's late. I'm exhausted. I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? Let's uh, let's turn this game on. Things are getting interesting. And I turned it on right as Gensel was about to do the background. And I was like, you could just see it coming. You're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And, I mean, momentum is such a big thing. But these guys Mm -hmm. really rode on that. And you get that confidence where you're like, all right, you know, we're, we can come back from a multi-goal deficit, which we've seen them do, I want to say, one or two times this season. It hasn't been mm-hmm. all that, you know, big. But to know that you can do that going in the future, especially come playoff time, all of a sudden, hey, we're down two goals. We are not out of it. That's such a big thing for this team, especially. Yeah, they do have one of the worst records in the league when they don't score first, which is kind of interesting. Um, that was only their fourth win of the season where they don't score first and they come back. Um, so, yeah, that was just encouraging to see from them. But, yeah, you talk about m- momentum. In the second period, the first half of the second period, they outshot Vegas 13 to nothing. So, I mean, they were just, they were just, they were just controlling everything um, at that point. That's, that's why they were uh, able to carry that into a comeback. It was impressive. And I think you mentioned Jason Zucker's back now. Basically – the whole team is healthy. 
And that I don't like even want to <laughs> say it because it makes me nervous because either somebody critical is going to get hurt immediately or we're going to get blown out by the senators. Like it's just, there is no in between. And I don't, I don't know. They've had a few days to rest now, but what we, we talk about this always, like it's this hypothetical far off fantasy land, the team getting fully healthy and they are though. And guys are coming out of protocol. I know Taylor, you said that Casey DeSmith may not be available for tomorrow yeah, night. So, but yeah, we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, Astonis, Heinen, and DeSmith all came out of protocol practice for this t- first time on Wednesday. I, I don't think any of them will play uh, Thursday just because that was the first practice. They were isolated in their hotel rooms in Anaheim because uh, that's when they tested positive. Uh, Heinen was symptomatic. Asteris was not. Asteris said he was able to work out in his hotel room between watching Euphoria and playing Super Smash Brothers on his Nintendo Switch. That's what he said. Um, which, yeah. I'm, so we, like, when we begin, begin uh, in Russ, they tested positive. They were quarantined in Dallas. We talked about it, you know, last week. And just because they were stuck in their hotel rooms, they weren't able to play right away when they came out of protocol. So, yeah, I don't think those guys are going to be available Thursday. It didn't look like that based on the line combinations. They skated. Um, Heinen asked or he skated on a fifth line with Zahorna. Um, But soon, probably, I would say, within the week, uh, for sure. <laughs> Which is that fascinating is so because we haven't, again, like Jordan was saying, we haven't seen this team at full capacity yet. I mean, you have – Malkin back performing the way he's performing. I mean, Mm -hmm. Jake, you know, uh, you just look at all the guys and this is that true team that they envisioned at the start of this season, or I guess in the off season and just the scoring capability. I mean, again, Jeff Carter is the third line center of this team. And it's just one of those (laughs) things that you look at, you're like, this, I'm trying to remember where I heard this. I want to say it was um, one of the national shows. Maybe it was on TNT or something, but like the, have the penguins ever been, this deep I think that mm. is like I, I I wonder if we could go back and look at some of the lineups especially some of the cup winning lineups has a team like this been this deep with this ability to truly you can say you put any four one of the four lines out there and they can score I think that I mean you go back to Tampa and the reason why they've won their two cups I mean they have so much depth you mm-hmm. can put any line out there and they can score and this isn't me saying the pens are going to definitely definitively win a cup by any means but that's one of the big things that contributes, especially to make a deep playoff run, to have this depth, to know that any line can generate a lot of scoring. Mm-hmm. Any line you put out there can have a lot of success. Yeah. It, Tan Grady, we talked about it last week, he pointed out, like I think on Twitter, that you know this is the deepest team he's seen in a while um, yeah. from the Penguins. But yeah, just when you look at the lineup, when Aston Reese and Heinen are ready to get back in, my, my guess would be Simone and Boyle come out. Um, mm-hmm. and again, Simone just had a, had a good game boils, but Boyle he still looks slow, but other than that, like on the penalty kill, he's been huge, but I mean, your bottom six could look like, you know, Heinen, Carter, Rodriguez as the third line and Aston Reese, Bluger, McGinn as your fourth line. Um, when you saw, you know, Z- Zucker, Malk and Kampanen as your second line against Gensel Crosby, Russ is your first line. That's just a super deep team. And then something does happen, you still have Boyle, Simone, a couple of the guys who, O'Connor, O'Connor is still hurt, but when he comes back, he, he kind of has to go back down to Bulk's anyway, just roster 
cap wise, that's probably what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, they just have uh, a really solid lineup all the way down, and then a couple of depth options that are good if something does happen. Absolutely, it's going to be a wild ride seeing how the lines shape up and how this team starts to rebuild and rediscover chemistry as they go down the stretch into what is going to be over the next few months, the most meaningful hockey that they played all season. Uh, So let's take a quick break and we will be right back. And we are back. The NHL announced the all-star selections for this year's game and skills competitions. And for the Penguins, Jari was selected initially, and then Gensel was selected as the last man in. I have thoughts about the all-star game. And I know know it's a very polarizing topic. But just let's start with the, the basics. Were those the right selections for the Penguins to go to the All-Star game, yes or no? Yeah, I mean, I think Jari deserves to be there. I Gensel, I think, should have been in from the beginning. I don't think he even should have been mm-hmm. up from the last men in. And he, di- he didn't even win the the last uh, men in vote uh, because Minajed did, but he can't go, so now Gensel gets to go because he finished second. It, it shouldn't have taken that many hoops for Gensel to, to be there. He, he yeah. deserves to be there, but I mean... Uh, like every team has to have someone there. That's the rules. I don't like Claude Drew is there for the Metropolitan Stupid. Division. If if you know he weren't Stupid. there, maybe Gensel's in from the beginning. If he's not there, maybe Evan Rodriguez is there. Uh, so yeah, I don't think these are necessarily the best rosters. Um, NHL hockey ops. So fans vote for the captain for each division. Fans voted for like Ovechkin for the Metro Division. Uh, NHL Hockey Ops puts together the rest of it, and they do take into consideration whether or not a guy actually wants to be there. Uh, so, like, I know a lot of fans were mad that you know Crosby is not on the roster, but I, Crosby, I don't, he doesn't, he, I mean, he hasn't talked about it, but like, I, I don't think he'd want to go. Um, you know, he's he's, yeah. he's pulled out of them before. Um, at this point, I think the rest is more, you know, beneficial to him. So that's something you have to, you know, keep in mind too. But yeah, I don't know. I think if if every team didn't have to send somebody, then the rosters would look a little different. Some teams just don't have all stars, and that's okay. Um, you know, Philly is on the verge of another ten game losing streak. So I, I would not say that any of their guys qualify yeah. as all-stars right now and it would have been fun to see Evan Rodriguez but yeah it doesn't seem like guys are super thrilled overall it doesn't seem like it's the consensus of the all-star game as a whole I don't really I don't care for them I think they're kind of tacky Uh, Jenna how do you feel about all-star games in general and then I guess specifically as it applies to the NHL and how they do it it's kind of one of those things. I mean, like you look at both sides of it because it's like, okay, you're trying to grow the game a little bit more. So the all-star game, at least to me, kind of feels like a way where it's like, okay, if you're a casual hockey fan, you're like, oh, we'll turn this on. We'll see kind of who's who. You kind of get that sense. Mm -hmm. And of course you have like, 
But even then, like Taylor was saying, you know, it's not the, it's some of the league stars and it should be the majority of them, but it's also, you know, it's not Sidney Crosby. Yes, Ovechkin's there. McKinnon's going to be there. Kadri, Nazem Kadri from the Avalanche is going to be there. Honestly, I have to go back and look at all the rosters because, <laughs> again, that goes to show you where my mind is. I'm like, okay, who's yeah. going from the Penguins? Who's going from the Metro? You know, that that's kind of really mm-hmm. Uh, extent of it in that way. So I, I see that point of it too. But then you look at the other side where it's like, these guys are still kind of upset, understanding why they can't go to the Olympics, but also still frustrated and upset yeah. with it. So you have situations like Brad Marchand, where like Taylor was saying, you know, the NHL ops guys take into account people who do and don't want to be there. And Marchand was very vocal about the league, not going to the Olympics and not letting the players make the choices. So they understand, yeah, he's playing really well, but he also doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to be there. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of fun too. It's always nice to be like, all right, hey, we'll turn this on and we'll see. You know, I just, I, the thing I love is like when you see these guys skating together and just like them having fun when they're doing like the three on three competitions and all that. Like that part of it's fun to me. Those fun mm-hmm. little, you know, mic the guys up and, have them joke around and goof around when you get that insight as to like, Oh, you know, the hardest shot competition, what they're saying about these guys or the, the fastest skater is always fun too. But then Mm -hmm. again, it's like, you know, this is kind of just like a skills competition. I don't know. It's fun. It's exciting. But at the same time, I think, you know, now, especially with the schedule updates, that's changing pretty much a decent chunk of February where these guys weren't going to play and all that. Uh, I think it kind of just, you know, some of the guys are like, yeah, we just kind of do want a little bit of a break. It's fun, though. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just am like, eh, I'm kind of indifferent. It's exciting. I'll watch it. But I'm not like super crazy excited about it or not one way or another type thing. I feel like the the most fun parts of the All-Star game that we've seen like over the years, the NHL has like stopped doing them. Remember they used to have yes. like a draft? Um, and then it used to be like, well, now it's the divisions. At some point, it was East versus West. They used to have like the draft, and we got that moment where like Phil Kessel was the last one picked, and the picture of him just sitting on like the draft floor by himself. Oh. I mean, that's fun just to change things up. I'm not crazy about three on mm-hmm. three. It doesn't like feel like real hockey. No one's playing defense. A team's no. gonna win like ten to nine. Um, John Scott is one of the highlights from from recent. Um, all-Star Games, when he got voted in, uh, he ended up winning like MVP of that All-Star Game. The NHL naturally fought it all the way. They did not want it to happen, and it's one of the greatest stories in like All-Star Game recent history. I mean, someone bought the movie rights to that. I don't know if that's going to happen, if that's still happening, but like, that's not what oh my the God. NHL uh, didn't want to see that happen. Um even like the, you know, like the skills competition, like the breakaway, they keep like changing up the skills competition. I feel like they just keep making it less fun. Like the way the breakaway mm. competition used to work, it, I mean, it's like guys doing like trick trick shots and like shootouts, but it ended up getting like guys seeing how like creative they would be, but then they would bring in like costumes and stuff like that. I think like one year, like I think like might've been like Johnny Goodrow wanted to light a stick on fire and like they wouldn't let him. <laughs> Like so, it just guys like uh, what did happen? Yeah. NHL, come on! It's like oh guys going like out of control, and like the NHL like dial that back, and it's like that was the most fun part. Like remember what one year, PK Subban, he like Yager was in the All Star game, PK's in the All Star game, PK put on like a wig like Yager and like wore a Yager jersey and did his that way, and the NHL like took all that up, but they did like weird things. In 2020, like, where guys are, like, up on a platform and they're just, like, shooting 
super far oh my god that's and it's right. targets and it's like this isn't fun to watch and it's like not anything that is that even really like a like it's hard to do but it's not like a skill that comes into hockey at all like, <laughs> on, like a platform above the ice shoot like i don't understand what we're supposed to be taking away from this like wow like <laughs> super impressive but um i don't know the nhl keeps making it less fun and the jerseys are so boring like the red and the the red and the blue i feel like we've seen this exact jersey like 10 times Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they just get worse and worse i want to see the captains from each division the eastern conference and the western conference captains have to come together to design the jersey (laughs) that's what we need i want them and then like every player has to contribute and give some idea whether it's like a decal here or like when I, I'm going back to the NFL, but like when the Bills had all of the players draw the Bills and Josh Allen drew like an insanely ridiculous Bill. I don't know if you guys saw this, but it looked like like a yes. four year old drew it. Like yeah. I need that. I need like a penguin that looks like it was drawn by like a three year old. Like right here, that's what I need. Yeah, yeah, that would be so much at least more fun, and that's the that's kind of the point. Like we're, we've been saying. The point of an all-star game is for it to be fun. And if you're trying to bring people in who don't really watch the sport, then like go wild with it. Why, why not let the, the personalities of these guys come out a little bit along with their high level of performance on the ice? Like it, it can be both because it isn't really like standard hockey. It's, it's just kind of like, more like a free for all. It kind of feels like, and I, yeah, it. I, I don't know this. This year, it feels like it's just kind of aimless. Like there, there's really no, yeah. no vision board behind it. I, it. I don't know. It's like everything but, fun that's happened has happened like on accident or like in spite of the yeah. NHL, not because of the NHL. Like you, you look back to like, um, uh, like. Uh, when Kendall Coyne Schofield did like the the fast skater that the NHL didn't awesome. make that happen that was like Nate McKinnon like he had to pull out of it he's like what how she can take my place um yeah he made that happen I I covered the one in 2020 we were just talking about this before you know we started but like the highlight of that for me was Latang's kid taking over the media availability like, yeah that was, was the most fun part of it it just happened on accident um yeah, I don't. It just, I, I'm not crazy about the three and three format. It's cool. It, it's cool to see you know Gensel and and Jari go. They deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. It's gotta kind of suck for a goalie to just at least play in the game because, like we said, someone's gonna win like ten to eight just because no one's playing defense really, back checking it like at all. So it, I, I don't know. You just kind of have to go out there, have fun. Whatever happened happens as a goalie because um, you're going to let in a lot of goals no matter what. Uh, Jari was asked about, like, the – just what do you think about the format uh, after Wednesday's practice, and he said it's a lot of sitting around, um, which says it all, I guess. Uh, I mean, he seemed, he seemed excited to go, but he's like, yeah, it's a lot of sitting around because, uh, I don't know, I mean, if you have that first three and three game – you have to sit around for like half an hour, go back out wow. there playing like the championship, the skills competition. It's a lot of sitting around. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like it could be more fun. Yeah. Well, uh, they'll make the most of it. Congrats to both uh, Tristan Jari and Jake Gensel on the selections. Definitely well-deserved. Why don't we take one more break and we will be right back. 
And we are back, and we're proud to present you with more drama from around the league. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Edmonton forward Leon Dreisaitl got into it with Jim Matheson of the Edmonton Journal. Uh, why don't you take a listen to it? Lots of reasons for why the owners are playing the way they are in terms of winning and losing. What do you think is the number one reason for the losses now? Is there, is there one thing that you, in your own mind you're saying, we got to get better at that? Yeah, we, ha- we have to get better at everything. Would you like to expand on that? No. Nope. You can do that. You know everything. Why are you so pissy, Leon? Hmm? Why are you so pissy? I'm not. I'm just I, answering your question. Yeah, question. you are. Whenever I ask you a question. I gave you an answer. Not very good one. Okay. I have one more for you. Leon, you show your frustration on the ice last game against Ottawa. Is that a good thing when you show it so the other team knows you're frustrated? Yeah, it's a great thing, for sure. Good. Yeah. Yeesh. Um, he, he was very snippy. and I, Okay, many thoughts, as always. I... On one hand, Edmonton is kind of a dumpster right now, and that look not a gr- a great question probably to be asking. At the same time, though, I don't I don't know if that's the right way to respond to it because he was just not about any of it. He was very displeased, and he it felt like one of those situations where. You're so pissed off that it's not enough to just be pissed off. You need the person who's pissing you off to know just how much they're pissing you off. Yeah. I, I think – I don't think either of them came away from that looking great. Um, yeah. Especially Matheson when he asked, why are you pissy? Um, yeah. But I, this is – you know, I, if, if Drysdale has issues with things, you know, Matheson has written – in a, in a normal season, if, like, you know, writers were allowed in the locker room, they would just be able to have, like, a quick conversation, hash it out. It would be fine. And it wouldn't be, like, a viral clip. Because, I mean, what players don't like things written about them all the time, um, mm-hmm. you normally you normally talk about. But in a, in a setting like this, every interaction you have with a player is in a press conference setting in front of a bunch of cameras, and it's, you know, going to be posted on the internet no matter what. So... It's not really a situation that's conducive for hashing out any of those issues that he may have with him. Um, something like that. It, again, Madison didn't need to escalate it the way he did, I guess, with the, are you are you being pissy? But um, this is just why this press conference and, like, Zoom situation just sucks. And, like, it, of course it's tough because Edmonton's lost. I just looked... It, granted, there was like, I think, five or six games that were postponed. They've lost, I'm doing math, 12 of their last 14. And they're, what, six in a row right now? Oh, yeah. They've lost six in a row. It, things have mm. kind of dropped drastically there. So, of course, it's just one of those things, too. And, like, I mean, granted, I, I feel like because I'm a little bit younger in the media, you know, we're on the younger side of things. We're not, you know, we haven't been on beats like this for, you know, 20 years, something to that extent that some of these reporters have been, but like Mm. read the room, maybe (laughs) 
I don't want to like go off on a drastic tangent because again, I wasn't there. I feel like I want to watch the whole entirety of that press conference. And I'm sure I can find yeah. it for a little more context. And I was reading, I guess, like Drysaddle had been a little bit short on a couple questions, but like at that point, you kind of cut your losses. Sometimes you just know you're not going to get good things from a player in this day and age mm-hmm. where we are so far apart and you can't, you're still having a little bit of the one-on-ones. I feel like this this was on Zoom, though, right? I think because Canadian regulations are a little different, or was it I, he in the room? It looked like a press conference setting, I okay. think, yeah. Yeah. So, like, of course, you know, if you see a player getting snippy, and maybe this is just how I handle it, Taylor, you know, feel free to share your experience too. But, like, if I see a player getting snippy, I'm not about to be like, hey, why are you pissy? Like, I'm just <laughs> and granted, if a player also said to me, like, you know everything, clearly, I'm going to sit there and be like, okay, I'm just going to take this as an L today, move forward, like right Mm -hmm. about, you could sense the emotion, you could feel the emotion. I can see both sides of it in the sense where like, you know, a player's upset, but at the same time, like, don't poke the bear. I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. Especially in that situation, like you're not going to get anything. You're not going to be able to have that real one-on-one moment that we're so used to having where it's like, Hey man, you know, what's going on? You're frustrated with me saying this, you know, you can't have those moments, but at the same time, like, I don't know, I'm just not, I, I would, and maybe it just comes with, you know, experience in this, but like, I, Oh, I could just also like hear my mom being like, why did you t- <laughs> tell a player? Like what, why did you think that was okay? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we also haven't like covering the Penguins. I I couldn't remember the last time a players actually seemed m- mad, like upset, like that in a press conference, just because they have been winning uh, so much as, as of late. Um, I wasn't I wasn't on the the Western trip, so that game against the Kings uh, still, but it, it it seemed like no no one got like that. We haven't really seen anything like that from the Penguins. Um, uh, but again, like provoking them and trying to escalate it isn't gonna get you what you want out of it um because he did ask a question after that and he still mm-hmm. you know really didn't get get an answer so um that became the story not whatever you're asking about but just this interaction became the story and that's what everyone's talking about but um i don't know just just not a great look really i think for either um especially i guess the reporter yeah, and speaking of poking the bear, the the Carolina Hurricanes <laughs> social media team poked. I honestly not a bear, maybe like a small dog, like a lap dog. <laughs> uh, they they posted a graphic from the other day when they beat the Bruins seven to one, and they got a little bit. You know, they're they're one of the more cheeky social media accounts, so they like to go out there and stir the pot. And Brad Marchand responded to it and said, "You're still the reason we pay twenty percent in escrow." If I had just seen that, and you know, been on Twitter, who you know knows very little about the the logistics of hockey and playing in the league, I wouldn't have known what that meant. So Taylor, why don't you explain what Brad Marchand means by that? Yeah. So with the, with the NHL, there's a revenue sharing um, across all teams. And then there's also the CBA ensures a 50, 50 revenue split between owners and players. So that's based on um, basically if all they project how much revenue they're going to get. And then, they set uh, the midpoint for between the salary cap and the floor. And if everyone, every team spends to the midpoint, it'll be 50-50. 
uh, and then nobody owes anyone money afterwards to you know make it 50 50 but if revenue doesn't you know lead get if they don't get the revenue they expect then the players end up owing the owners money back at the end of the season um and that's an escrow it gets taken out of their uh out of their salary you know when they get their paychecks it gets put into an escrow fund part of it goes to the owners they might get some of it back so what he's saying is you're the reason we get 20 percent in escrow is because the hurricanes are not bringing in uh, a lot of revenue we sing they don't have fans they're not making money. They're costing the league money. And with the revenue sharing in escrow, the players have to give back money because of the hurricanes. So <laughs> I don't know. I saw that. And like, that's just such a funny term. You don't see, I guess, players tweeting it, tweeting other teams really ever. Mm-hmm. But for, for him to do that and like drag their fan base and such a, I, in, in like a I don't know a smart way like that that's I don't know if that's the right word but mm-hmm. um it's just really funny it was a really it was a smart joke good, yeah yeah and I feel like we don't see that often like it's just easy so mm-hmm. easy to like clap back whereas like this it was like oh you thought about this you really <laughs> did mm-hmm. I also had to laugh so hard I don't know if you guys saw but like a local Raleigh I want to say it was a brewery it was some local business like sponsored the tweet and so they were tagged and when martian <laughs> replied he also replied to this local business and they're getting pulled into this like I just, oh my like, goodness hold on i want to find it because it was just so magical yeah. like, this is one of those things where you're like i you Our, love the things that get pulled in uh, yeah way. i would put r&d brewing they were tagged in like the in the photo in the original tweet so when he replied he didn't untag them so um and then everyone replying to martian is also so R&D Brewing, they got oh their God. engagement. Uh, they got their money's worth of yeah. engagement on that tweet. But um, I, but he waited like 15, 16 hours to respond to that. Um, so I don't know if that means he thought about it. He thought about a response, let it let it sit, marinate, and then put that out there. But mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty great. He's had a lot of good – he doesn't tweet very often, but when he does, it's always fire. Like his, uh, his notes app screenshot of like – calling out the NHL for not letting them go to the Olympics um, and not letting it be like up to the players to be agreed to this in the CBA. Um, I don't know. Martian, I think, I mean, a lot of fans hate him on the ice, but as like a person, like on the social, he's pretty interesting. He's pretty funny. It's just not what you would expect from a guy who licks other people's faces <laughs> like i wouldn't i wouldn't call him a face licker because that means that he does it like regularly but you know he's done it more than once so i, I, I just care the title of face yeah. licker if it's happening more than yeah, once I, um you know what lot. you're right that's that's a yeah if you surpass one face lick then you are a face licker you <laughs> god all right, let's move on to one final thing that is actually um, actually really cool and sad and just so many things. Today when we are recording uh, Wednesday, January 19th, it would have been Mac Miller's 30th birthday, which is wild to think about. And it's crazy that it, he's already been gone for over three years but he was such a an icon in pittsburgh not not only for you know the fact that he was just crazy talented and such a good songwriter and artist and 
huge sports fan, but just so special to this city. He was transparent and and deep and just so sadly troubled. And we, as a city, miss him a whole lot. So happy birthday, Mac. We definitely wish he was still here with us because it's just really sad. Yeah. And for, and what a cool moment. Um, oh, go ahead, Taylor. Yeah, I was going to say, for people who don't know, our, our podcast name, we did explain it on the on the first episode, but if, if you're not familiar Ooh. with Mac Miller's, you know, work, he has a song called Party on Fifth Ave, uh, and that's also the name of the, the street the Penguins Arena is on, so that's where we get our name for the podcast, Podcast on Fifth Ave, Party on Fifth Ave, it's a Mac Miller reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was an awesome dude, and he is he is truly missed. But thank you, everybody, for listening to Podcast on Fifth Ave. We drop e- episodes every single Thursday, uh, talking about the Penguins, talking about the league, and then any other fun things that we might like to dive into. So make sure that you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel. We are everywhere. Make sure you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next week.